0: hey everyone welcome back to the godcast that we are here uh episode eight on imajah islam Uh, we are joined here um by mr malik from the imajah community in our local area and we have been this isn't a highly anticipated interview for us because we have not had a muslim perspective yet we've had a jewish perspective which uh, is an, an episode that will be coming out soon either on uh, here on spotify or exclusively on youtube and we've already had uh we already discussed christianity in the past so we were looking super forward to, uh, looking very excited to talk about uh islam specifically imajah islam so that being said i will uh take it away with the first questions so uh so uh mr malik so uh first of all uh like before the question began, begins i like to say i'm like super uh, excited for this i'm like genuinely interested in learning about this because this is something that is, Uh, Caught my attention uh, like a little while ago and I thought this would be a super cool uh, topic to discuss. So that being said, I'll just jump into the question. So every religion begins with uh, the story of its founder, whether we're talking about, you know, the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem to Mary, Mary and Joseph according to the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. And that's, of course, in Christianity, and also in, you know, in Islam as well, and his ministry, his passion, and death in Christian tradition. I know that's not really in in that's not in Muslim tradition, Um, and then his resurrection in Christian tradition. And then if we talk about the Muslim origin story, this begins with, um, of course, what Muslims such as yourself believe that, of course, we have the angel Gabriel appear to Muhammad. Uh, He he begins his ministry uh, from there. And then in Zoroastrianism, as a third example, he receives a revelation from Ahura Mazda when he's bathed in a river, and that begins his ministry. So that being said, uh, we know that Ahmadi Islam begins with the life of Mirza Ghulam Ahmad. So uh, could you tell us the story of his life from his birth all the way to his death and the establishment of the Ahmadiyya non-political caliphate under Hakim nur if that is pronounced correctly? Probably not.
1: Sure, Uh, thank you Xavier um, uh, for having me and appreciate the opportunity to speak to you all. Um, I belong to the Amdia Muslim community, um, which is a revival movement uh, within Islam. So we find um, ourselves in complete um, unison with the religion of Islam, so we claim we're Muslims. So of course our origin story as Muslims um, dates back to the Prophet of Islam, Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of God be upon him. And being a Muslim also requires us to believe in the truthfulness of actually all prophets. So we believe as Muslims that God spoke to many people throughout history and he did not preclude any people uh, from giving them divine guidance. And in that sense, He sent prophets to all times and all peoples, and many of them we don't even know of. Um, But in principle, we agree that he guided all of humanity. Uh, So, as Muslims, we also believe in this universal truth that God speaks to his chosen ones whom we call prophets. And in essence, a Muslim cannot call himself or herself a Muslim until they agree to this universal philosophy, by which means, you can say our origin exists at the very onset of revelation with the first prophet that we know of as prophet Adam. Um, So with that background, I can tell you a little bit about um, the community which I belong to and the reason why it is a different community within Islam and why I call ourselves um, as a revival movement uh, within Islam. Um, You see in Islam, And in actuality, in many religions, there is the concept of a reformer. Uh, For example, if you look at Judaism, um, they are still waiting for the Messiah to come. Uh, Christians believe that the Messiah has come, which reformed them. Uh, Similarly, um, if you look at even Hinduism, they're waiting for the reincarnation of Krishna. Um, And so there's always this concept that a reformer would come in the latter days to reform the people. And we as Muslims also believe that a reformer is to come in the shape of uh, Jesus. So we as a community believe that whenever there's a a understanding that a reformer will come, that is actually a metaphorical coming of someone. Uh, It is not the literal coming of um, the same person. For example, this is substantiated by Jesus himself because one of the reasons, as you all may know, that the Jews did not accept um, Jesus, peace be upon him, to be the Messiah was that they were waiting. You know, they were waiting for the coming of Elijah in his person to call out who the you know who this person Jesus will be. So they are still waiting for this literal coming of Elijah, right? But Jesus himself said that Elijah is John the Baptist because he has fulfilled that role of calling me out as the Messiah. So the same philosophy exists in Islam. Whenever there's a mention of somebody coming back, somebody uh, with a certain role, instead of saying that that person is gonna be unknown, the qualities of a similar person is mentioned. For example, in this case, the quality of a Messiah as Jesus was. So we believe that that reformer, which was to come in the shape of Jesus, came in the shape of Mirza Walam Ahmed, who was the founder of our community And he was born in 1835 in a small village in Kadian, uh, in India. And that's where this uh, reformist movement started. Um, And his claim was that he has not brought any new law. He has not um, added or taken away from the core teachings of Islam. He has come to revive the followers of Islam. So the people who follow and attribute themselves as followers of Islam had, uh, you know, over time needed reformation. And that's the whole reason he came was to reform them and to correct their beliefs. And in the same vein, he said that since we've matured as a humanity to a point that we've become a sort of a global village, ideas flow from one point to another point um, freely now in a matter of seconds, right? Uh, he said that all those people who are being evaded to be, uh, as reformers, are are basically being fulfilled in my personality. So I am here to unite all these different religions under the banner of uh, this one reformer, under the banner of Islam, and the and Islam being the universal uh, teachings for all of humanity. So that's basically on a high level his claim, and. At first, um, you know, he did not claim that uh, even though people are saying that you're a holy person, you should start having people initiate on your hands. He said, I cannot do that. It's not something that, you know, somebody can just uh, uh, ask me to do it and I'll start doing it. So eventually it was revealed to him in 1889 that he should start accepting initiation on his hand. And that's where community was formally started and uh, we became known as the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Um, And he attributed all that he had uh, found, all the wisdom that he had found was from the Holy Quran and from the practice of the Prophet of Islam and the the sayings of the Prophet as well. So he, he did not claim any um new law or anything of that sort and when this um movement started um before him claiming that he is a chosen one he's the messiah he is fulfilling the you know the metaphorical second coming of jesus he was praised he was he was um honored he was uh, respected um amongst you know the 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 intellectuals and amongst the, the clerics, amongst the clergy, but as soon as he claimed that he actually was chosen as as a prophet by God, you can imagine what happens then, right? All the tables turn, people. Um, it's a, a a test of a prophet actually, is persecution, right? Every prophet in their lifetime if they face persecution, and he faced persecution as well and all the people who praised him as being a divine guide and and a a, a leader turned against him and said uh, he was a liar he was a uh imposter god forbid and his members of his community are still to this day persecuted in some parts of the world um and you know the mission continues right now um As a community, we were established all over the world. Um, And when he passed away, um, he was succeeded by what is called Caliphate, um, which is basically a divine leader within the community, which continues to guide the community. So we've had um, five leaders ever since he passed away. And our current leader, whom we call Khalifa, or caliph in English, uh, resides in the United Kingdom. And he's our divine uh, leader. He's our, he's our guide uh, and he, he guides the worldwide community from uh, the United Kingdom. Uh, but in essence, the, the life of Promised Messiah has been reflected in the works that he has done. He has written over uh, 80 books, um, all expounding the beauties of religion, morality, uh, faith and Islam, comparative religions. Uh, actually, the last book that he wrote was is called "The Message of Peace," because in that book he talks about, besides having you know differences uh, in different religions, the the end goal for us as humanity is to live in peace amongst each other. Um, so his final you know book uh, was on this topic was like, how can we exist in different, um, belonging to different, I you know, religion, theology, theological differences, uh, sometimes, you know, very grave differences, right? Um, and yet exist in peace. Uh, so if I get an opportunity, I'd like to maybe read a little bit from that book because his words will be much more powerful uh, for people to understand you know what he uh, came for, um, and what he stood for. So that's on a, on a high level. Um, I can go into more depth uh, of of what what his teachings were, what his understanding was. Um, but if you have any other questions, you can ask them. If not, I can I can continue talking about it.
0: Yeah, like we'd love to hear you uh, continuing to talk about his life and like uh in in terms of reading uh reading his writings like we actually have another question where it's, we're talking about like what texts are used um so we'd we'd love it if like you could like read some of his uh some of his writings uh, for that question unless if you want to do it now but for now like uh, it'd be awesome if you could like um, maybe talk about like his his life uh, a little bit more about his life, like how the, how the community formed. Who were some like key members in there? Because um, I know that the that the first caliph was like his, um, I, I guess kind of like his number one disciple. He uh, would like, or I guess he'd help organize debates for him and, and things like that. for my super brief uh, readings, so maybe you could just talk about uh, who are some of the key figures who worked alongside him during his life.
1: Yeah, so. As you've rightfully pointed out, the first caliph was a very devout uh, follower of his, and um, he was actually a very well-learned scholar himself, Um, and he was actually a physician as well. He was a physician to the um, Maharaja, which is kind of like a ruler of Kashmir, and um, he was his royal physician and he was very good at it as well. So he was not only just a a religious scholar, he was actually a practicing um, physician as well. Um, And his um, attention was drawn to Promised Messiah by um, reading some of his text. And that's where a lot of emphasis is made uh, in our community is to understand um, the life of Promised Messiah, is by reading what he did, what what he wrote about, right? Um, He is called, in our community, uh, the master of pen because he wrote over 80 books. But these 80 books are replete with pearls of wisdom, which um, can really transform uh, a person, right? Um, And that happened to the first um, caliph, uh, Hakim Nuruddin and when he came to know of promised Messiah, he went to him, and he spent some time with him, and uh, eventually, uh, you know, accepted him as the Messiah. Um, we also find that the story of a lot of the early disciples is that they're impressed by being in company with the prophet, so they know of the truth by meeting with the prophet by listening to him. And there are so many stories within our community where even people who had the intention of harming the promised Messiah went and visited him and spent some time and eventually became members of the community. They were actually sent with instructions on, hey, go take notes on what he's preaching so we can find faults in him. And these people would go secretly into the meetings and take notes you know, meticulous notes of like what he's talking about, what is he teaching, and interestingly, <laughs> they couldn't find any flaw in them, and it actually, it impressed them so much that they became Amadis. They became Amadi Muslims themselves, and the people who sent them were, were, you know, kind of wondering what happened to that person that we sent, and then he will write that you know I find no fault in this man, and I find him to be truthful, and that's how they became the followers of the community. Um, So when the promised Messiah passed away, um, it is our belief that people within our community, kind of like the way a Pope is elected, uh, we believe that people in our community are divinely inspired to elect a a successor. And when the promised Messiah passed away, it was him who was uh, elected. And he really created the foundation for, because as you imagine when a prophet passes away, there's a lot of grief, there's a lot of um, anxiety among the membership, what is gonna happen with the community, right? And there's also a lot of vulnerability at that time, right? Because you have people who have different intentions, you may have some hypocrites who are there to harm the community. So you're they're undermining the mission of that person so that's why God has created this concept of successorship, because no person in their entire you know lifetime um, can create a mission and then sustain it, right? So the sustainability comes from the successors. And after the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him passed away, there was a successorship. There were four caliphs we call. And similarly, when Prophet Messiah passed away, uh, it was him, um, the first caliph who established this um, institution uh, within our community. And ever since, you know, we've had uh, four more after him. Um, And that established um, the the community. Now, as far as the core teachings of um, Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, the Promised Messiah, um, one of the, the the biggest misunderstandings or the challenges that even you may see that the, the Muslim world is facing is this concept of use of force within religion, right? You have the hardliners who say that you can use the, you know, force um, and convert the whole world. And if somebody doesn't agree with you, you have the right to take their life um, and things like that. So Promised Messiah, beautifully explain that nowhere in the religion of Islam can you take innocent life, regardless of their faith. Because in the Holy Quran, even if somebody gives up their faith, like for example, if they're Muslim, know they belong to um, a community and they call themselves Muslims, if they give up their faith, the Holy Quran says that if somebody gives up their faith once, twice, thrice, leave them to God, there is no, there is no um, action to be taken by an individual because faith and religion is between them and God. So we clarified this very important uh, point that you cannot use force to coerce people, because the Holy Quran explicitly says that there is no compulsion in the matters of faith, you cannot compel somebody. to be good, right? Uh, Because morality exists with choice. And that's what he explained beautifully that if you start compelling people, even if you feel that Islam is right and Islam is the right way, people should be, but by forcing them, you're taking away the very good that Islam wants to create in, in people. And similarly, in any religion, if you use force to coerce people to do the right thing, you cannot call it moral. It is the force that is making them act a certain way. Um, so he beautifully explained this concept. The second um, very important thing that he did was, he said that nowadays, Islam is not being attacked for it being a religion. It is being attacked by the pen. There is no physical threat to Islam. The threat that exists to Islam today is intellectual one. There are people writing against Islam, They're writing against the prophet of Islam. So this day and age, if you want to um, wage what is called this moral campaign against um, the perpetrators who are committing, um, who are attacking Islam, you have to use the pen. There is no need to use force. And he said that we live in a time where people are not being threatened um as a result of their um religious uh, backgrounds they're being threatened because people want their lands because they want to exploit uh, their resources they want influence power things of that nature we have, have, as a humanity have come to a point they may use religion as a as a crutch right as an excuse but in reality, they could care less. They are irreligious people. Most of these people, they don't even believe in God, right? They are who are against a, a certain aspect because if they were true believers of God, they wouldn't you know, perpetrate crimes against humanity and, and cause such harm. So that's a, sort of a, a litmus test for somebody to claim that, you know, I'm a spiritual person, but I'm going about you know, killing people, for example, If somebody was to ask you, like, what do you think about the Crusaders, right? If you're a true Christian, you know, it'll be very hard for you to justify their actions, right? The way they, you know, attacked innocent people and took innocent lives. So he explained that this day and age, religion and Islam particularly needs to be defended intellectually. And he made that into a point, and actually one of the reasons why he's even persecuted by the hardliners is because he said that there is no room for this physical jihad anymore, because the conditions don't exist. Your religion is not being threatened or extinction, and you're not being attacked because of your faith. It is because of your lands and other things. So when he said that, of course, there was persecution, but he clarified for us as members of this community that we cannot use force in the name of religion. And it has no place in it, it has never had any place. It was allowed in the time of the prophet because he had to defend himself and defend the, the believers because they were, the reason they were attacked was because they wanted to extinguish Islam completely. So they could wipe it off the face of planet. And that's the reason why he was allowed to defend himself and never be the aggressor, right? so. That's one of the the things he clarified uh, for Muslims um, at large, and and made it so that people can you know understand this very difficult topic. And people, as you can probably tell, still are struggling with this this idea within Islam, because the sometimes the the political lines are blurred, uh, especially in the early parts of Islam. So they think that everything that happened there is no such distinction between, or separation between what happens in the state and what happens with the religion or church and state. Islam basically says that you should have these separately um, and they they should not be um, combined. Um, So so that's one example of what uh, he taught and how he explained a somewhat difficult uh, concept. And of course, then clarifying the need for a Messiah uh, and a universal Messiah, which is a very powerful concept, because if you think about it, if for a moment we assume that there is going to be a Messiah that Jews are waiting for, is going to come and then Jesus um, of Nazareth is going to come back literally. And then Krishna is going to come and the is going to come and, you know, Buddha, Buddha is going to have a second appearance. All of these religions as they exist today are very different uh, on what they preach as far as uh, the concept of God and morality and uh, salvation and things like that. If they were to appear, they will pull these people further apart. Uh, So he said that that Messiah that is to come is actually going to be a uniting force. And he is that, a uniting force um, that is to to unite um, all uh, all religions um, so that's another very powerful concept that he brought and explained um, to Muslims and and, and corrected their this misunderstanding that exists um, even today um, but the other aspect that um, he explained was in relation to the um, the dues that we as humans have uh, for example he said that um, there is a lot of uh, animosity amongst um, people of of faith and it stems from the fact that the um, the leaders flame the, f- the flame you know fuel the flames of <laughs> hatred among people so it is important that when we converse with one another we converse on a common ground. for example, if we can agree to the fact that um, injustice in a certain way is wrong Now let's come together to address injustice from your, religious perspective and from my religious perspective this will be a much more powerful exercise than to um draw you know cartoons or caricatures of each other's founders who we both love right so the the natural reaction you'll get is you'll have more hatred among people um so he even he even said that it was unheard of at the time that people would ask him to come debate with him and sometimes you would say, I agree with what you say. <laughs> There's no point in debating, which is unheard of because if you know debaters or people who have some knowledge, they would find a way of just you know, arguing with you. But he said that the purpose of these dialogues and this, this conversation should be to guide people, which is not to show that I am mightier in my argumentation and I am much more sound and, and on you know, my uh, analysis. So things like that really spoke to people of the time where most of the dialogue was like, how can I make you come down, throw more mud at you, uh, make you know, foul uh, your beliefs, make fun of what you stand for. Uh, and that was a breath of fresh air. Um, and then the second, you know, which is particular to Muslims, is that he really expounded on the beauties of Islam because Muslims at that time when he came were in a sort of an apologetic state because their understanding of Islam was very crude and their following of the teachings of Islam was actually um, pretty, um, had suffered, right? So he revived them and and explained the beauties of the faith so they can become a more stable follower right Uh, and not rely on the cleric because as muslims we believe that as individuals we are all capable of creating a living relationship with god you don't need a a, an intermediary Uh, a prophet is merely a guide we don't even pray to a prophet right we're actually told not to pray to a prophet we're always told to pray to god because god can be the answer of the prayers and he can create a relationship with whomever he chooses, right? So that's one very important thing that he brought in a time when people thought that prayer was a good exercise, It doesn't do anything, it changes nothing. If you do it, it's good for you. If you don't do it, things will still happen. But he said that if you believe in a living God, you must believe in the power of prayer. And the power of prayer means that there is some cause and effect. Right, there is some change that happens, and he showed practically how his prayers were heard. You know, if you look at his life, a a false murder case was brought brought against him. Um, he was brought into the court by many people with, on false charges, um, and they were unsuccessful by mere you know, uh, God, God's grace. So. All those things are a testament to who he was as a prophet. Of course, there are prophecies about the second coming um, of the Messiah, uh, which he fulfilled as well. Um, And, you know, perhaps at a later time we can go into those. Um, But those are some of the things that, you know, I can share time permitting. Um, But I do wanted to go over some of the texts that he had. And perhaps that's a good point. Um, a good place to end uh unless xavier you have anything else you would like to ask or comment oh on. yeah
0: so like the meeting will end automatically but we can just jump back onto the same zoom code if that's good um because that way it just gets back onto it and it gives like the next period of time but like yeah um that was like that was awesome like one of the, um one of the things that like uh struck me about uh about the uh religion is that you know uh the founder um he's preached an explicit message of peace and that really uh kind of drew me in i thought to myself wow that's uh that that's you know because because we see different denominations of of all religions in which that's like not taught um we can probably obviously think of some historical examples but he went along and said like jihad of the pen as opposed to jihad of the sword i thought that was super fascinating another thing that i just thought of like a few minutes ago was that the people who were uh like the followers of him, both he and his followers, specifically the first uh, caliph was these people were like these people were very intellectual i know i 'm just reading this article here and it says that the first caliph was actually a an expert in arabic and hebrew i don 't know if that's I, I would i think that's true i 'm just reading this off of Wikipedia here, but I know that he went to like Mecca and Medina to study to study so I thought that was cool how and then also um the founder he the promised messiah he is also he was also a uh a debater, so I thought that was really cool. How these guys were both preaching a message of peace and they're intellectual too.
1: Yep, and that's that's one of the things that people used to get surprised when people would join the community because a lot of the people that even I talked to you about who were sent in as like quote unquote spies were actually intellectuals and and leaders within their community, their own communities. So when they accepted us, you know him as the Messiah, it was naturally a, a shock for many. And that actually led to uh, a lot of the other people accepting them because even in my village where I'm from, um, the one of the um, most honored amongst us was the first few who accepted promised Messiah. And that actually led to the whole village, not the whole, but majority of the village then accepting promised Messiah because he was a sort a um, an example for us, right? Uh, and he was a um, a guide for us spiritually. So when he accepted, people asked him. He gave them sound reasons, and then eventually, you know, that's the reason the whole village became. Uh, and that's actually a trend that happens within a lot of the people who come to our communities. Like a lot of the leaders become Hamadis first, and they become members of our community, and that is the reason. Then the all the other. Are encouraged to look into it and then
0: eventually they become as well. Wow. And then, like, I think, like, uh, the meeting might end soon, but, like, I, I something that I just want, uh, but then obviously we can jump back on. But something I just wanted to add was I was looking at, like, the uh, statistics behind it. And I guess uh, uh, this um, community is, like, one of the, f- it, I mean, it seems to me like it's one of the fastest growing religions on earth. There's already, from 1889, if I'm correct, uh, f- all the way until. Now there's like ten to twenty million people, so I thought that was like a, a good thing to mention how fast it's been growing, um, and then I I just like wanted to ask like um I wanted to ask about the like the proofs behind why he is the uh, the the messiah um the Mahdi I'm not pronouncing that correctly but um that uh that figure um so um but also maybe um I could ask and I'll also hand over the mic well I'm actually not gonna physically hand it over but to, um to Balin and like uh Rylan and Noah, but I'll just ask uh we can just start this off before the meeting ends. So um like you mentioned before, uh what are some proofs that uh Mirza Glamamad, I'm not pronouncing that correctly, uh sorry, is the uh Mahdi or Messiah
1: Sure. Yeah. Um so <laughs> the, there are many um um Proofs and reasons which are given um, in the truthfulness of promised Messiah. Um, One of the ones I've, you know, shared that um, the um, promised Messiah himself was a a testament um, to his truthfulness. Um, But the Holy Quran speaks of a... um, a man to come in the latter days um, and it is promised that that person would come and he would be from among the people uh, who have not um, the the term is used who have not yet joined them. So I was talking about one of the proofs was that in the Holy Quran it is mentioned that um, God will raise up a prophet uh, who has not yet joined um, the followers, Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And when this particular um, verse was revealed, you know, a companion of Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, peace be upon him, asked the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, who are these people who these words are referred to, like who have not yet joined us? Um so the, the same person inquired a few times, and it was the practice of the prophet, uh, peace and blessings of God be upon him, that when he was asked the same question a few times, he would pause, because sometimes he would wait for divine revelation to answer such a question. And it is said that if, this is one of those moments where he paused, and then he said that he um, it would be somebody from the people of Salman the Persian, who was one of the companions of the Prophet of Islam. Now we believe we um, believe that was an indication towards the um, the coming of the Messiah belonging to the Persian people. Now the promised Messiah, was of al Ahmed, was of Persian descent, and uh, it was. They had moved from uh, Persia into India, where they were residing. But they were originally from the Barlas family, which is uh, part of Persia. So that was one um, verse from the Holy Quran, uh, coupled with the saying of the Holy Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, which basically says um, the background of the um, promised Messiah. Um, But there are many other signs and prophecies which were fulfilled. One of the uh, ones that was fulfilled was a prophecy of a lunar and a solar eclipse, and never in the history of humanity as this has happened. When a claimant of a messiah or Mahdi exists, it has only happened in the life of promised messiah, which is of Allah Mehmed, that he existed and he had claimed to be the messiah, and these two events took place, which is and the sign of a lunar as well as a solar eclipse um, within the same month of the holy month of fasting, Ramadan. So, uh, you know, the details of that prophecy are, are available uh, on our website if you wanted to, to dig into it a bit more. Um, the other very strong prophecy, which is fulfilled and being fulfilled to this day, is the same um Hadith, or the, the the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of God be upon him, said when this verse was revealed, where he said that the people from his group, which is Salman, the Persians, uh, which basically says that you know, faith will ascend into the heavens. Um, the, the mosques will be full of worship worshipers, but it, they will be devoid of faith. Um, people would recite the Holy Quran very well, but they will not understand what it means. And at that time, a man would come from the people of Persia who would revive and bring <clears throat> back into earth. So that was basically, in essence, the message of um, the uh, promised messiah. Right. And it is being still being fulfilled because his purpose is to kindle the fire of love of God within people's hearts. And that's why he's come. You know, Muslims existed in great number during his time, and they still do. And the mosques are filled with worshippers as well. But if the heart is empty of faith, they are they're basically you know, mechanical, uh, mechanically following Islam and not understanding the spirit behind it. So that was one other. Um, goal of Promised Messiah, which is mentioned in that same saying uh, that I shared. Um, the other uh, these is that um, Islam will be divided. There will be many divisions within Islam. And only one of those divisions will be the right uh, community or the right Jamaat. And that community would belong to those who are like the prophet and his companions. Now, if you look at the life of the prophet and his companions, they were persecuted. Um, And our community um, is persecuted by all the divisions within Islam. So they unite against uh, the community of Promised Messiah, against our community. Um, And that is another sign that, I mean, we can't control them, right? We cannot control what they do, but they've all... Combined together in one bucket against our community, thus fulfilling this um hadith as well of Ali um, Prophet ﷺ that and there will be only one um, community which would be the, the right right community and the, all all the others will be opposing them. Um so those are some of the examples. There's of course <coughs> the 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 sign of latter days, like what constituted, what constitutes as latter days and, and the prophecies associated with that, which talk about the time of the Messiah, not specifically his person, but speaks to the time of the Messiah. Uh, for example, use of books, uh, the use of modern day transportation. These are all documented in the sayings of the Holy Prophet as being the time when the Messiah would come. Um, and or the latter days when the Messiah is supposed to, uh, is is, uh, is prophesized to come which you know we believe is this current day and age um, and promised Messiah is oflah that came uh, during this uh, time um, and then I think the biggest um, reason to um believe in the promised Messiah, like I said, is to look at what he um, uh, taught, what he wrote, because that's a good sign of understanding whether he was truthful or not. Um, And the prophecies, of course, enhance your faith, right? Um, Because if you go and look at this, you know, uh, solar and lunar eclipse, there's no denying it, it's been recorded in history. It is an indication of him. Um, Not a lot of people just look at that prophecy and become members of the community. They actually study the life of the promised Messiah, and that's the reason why they're attracted to it. And um, in actuality, I can share like a small incident. Um, There was one person who was investigating our community, whether it was truthful or not. And um, they went and they asked that, you know, I've been trying to figure this this MDM Muslim community out. You know, I'm not really sure. You know, give, guide me, give, convince me somehow. So the person asked him a simple question. Have you read anything from Thomas Messiah? And the person goes, yes, I have. So then they ask, like, when you read something that he has written, does that make you feel closer to God or make you feel that you're going away from God? He so said, definitely closer to God. But, okay, thank you very much. There's your answer, <laughs> right? So um, for different people, it's different things, right? Um, but it's important to understand that as if you want to investigate this community, the body of work of this, this prophet, who we claim to be prophet, is available to every, anybody in the world. Um, and they can ascertain quickly whether this man is truthful or not. Uh, and these prophecies enhance your faith, of course. Um, but th- we believe that the the truth of somebody comes from understanding what they stood for, and when and you know God really changes hearts, anyways. So once that happens, then you understand uh, whether you know they were truthful or not.
0: Uh, wow! Yeah, yeah. Um, did, you, did you have more to add?
1: No, that, that's it.
0: Yeah like um this is something I'll definitely have to look into more because there's I would lo- I would frequently look at the like the webpage the uh, worldwide one um it's like called all, org or I believe um and like it has the has like a, a lot of his works written out like Jesus in India as an example I think there's definitely an audiobook of that one um also it has like his pro- or his how he fulfills the prophecies there's I know that there's four on their webpage and one of them says that the Mahdi, the Messiah, will be born east of Damascus. So that was like something that definitely fits in if he's born in uh, India or present-day Pakistan, one of the two that's east of Damascus. Was um, something I just wanted to add because I like learned that from the from the website. And also, yeah, I'll definitely have to like look into his works um, because there's such a plethora of them. And what what he's taught to me sounds like that 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 actually that makes sense. It's like it's it's peace and it's also like you said before it's like intellectual study with like like debating and um like i like like i said before like the uh, the first uh, caliph he um he was a very learned guy and he was a he was a man of science he was a physician so that's that kind of to me seems like um the the right the right way to go um yeah yeah
1: absolutely and there's there's a book on the life of the first caliph as well so if you're interested i can certainly share that, but alislam.org, alislam.org, you said, is an excellent resource, really. All his books are available. Um, some of them, not all of them available in English, but certainly a, a good volume of them in English as well. Um, and there's some audiobooks as well uh, for you to look into. Um, but if, if you were to pick one book up, I would recommend uh, the book that he, the small book that he wrote, just called Philosophy of the Teaching of Islam, which was is basically a lecture that was um, delivered during a um, interfaith uh, conference in India. And it was uh, written by him, but it was read at the conference by some one of his companions. Um, and it is actually a very good expose on basically understanding the philosophy of Islam um, the Religion Islam, it has um, really good examples of that. So if anything, I would highly recommend That's I think it's a small book um, if you wanted to pick up um, in writings, but you can pick other ones that that uh, are more interesting to you as well. Um, but if we can maybe end with, if I can read a little bit from Messages' peace that he wrote, which is, is pretty powerful
0: yes absolutely um and I also wrote that down philosophy of the teachings of Islam uh yeah like uh if if you want to end it there uh that that, that's awesome yeah if we we could uh you you could do your do your reading
1: well thank you for allowing that um Xavier appreciate it so as I mentioned before the last book that he wrote was called message of peace um and on page six at the beginning um he's addressing all of us, and he's saying, my countrymen, and I quote, a religion which does not inculcate universal compassion is no religion at all. Similarly, a human being without the faculty of compassion is no human at all. Our God has never discriminated between one people and another. This is illustrated by the fact that all the potentials and capabilities which have been granted to the Aryans have also been granted to the races inhabiting Arabia, Persia, Syria, China, Japan, Europe, and America. The earth created by God provides a common floor for all the people alike. And his sun and moon and many stars are a source of radiance and provide many of the benefits to all alike. Likewise, all peoples benefit from the elements created by him, such as air, water, fire, and earth, and similarly from other products created by him, like grain, fruit, and healing agents. These attributes of God teach us the lesson that we too should behave magnanimously and kindly towards our fellow human beings, and should not be of petty of heart and illiberal. Uh, this goes on, but uh, this is maybe to whet your appetite uh, and uh, uh, listen to uh, what he has written himself.
0: Well, wow, that was uh, that was that was very pretty. Um, and like, what what book is that? What well, what book is that contained in? Uh,
1: message of Peace.
0: This was the last book he penned. Wow, I'll i I'll write that down right now. Let's see. Let's see. Awesome. And um thank you so much for sharing all that with you. I have like I I'm I'm left with like two two uh, two reading assignments that I'll have to look into. Both uh, Philosophy of the Teachings of Islam and Message of Peace are two books I will I'll um I'll I think I'll I'll try to read those this month for like more information because this is like a super um interesting and I think very it contains a lot of wisdom, the this uh this um sect denomination um of, of Islam. So uh thank you so much uh Mr. Malik for uh being on our uh podcast and if you have anything else to say, um you can say that obviously or if not then uh we can just kinda um end it here if that works with you.
1: Absolutely. I want to just echo my appreciation for you um, for reaching out and and giving me an opportunity to speak to you all. Uh, It's definitely been a pleasure. Um, And I wish you all the best. There's not a lot of young people talking about God these days, uh, whether in a comparative way uh, and things like that. So looking at your young, fresh faces and and having this conversation, it's been a delight. Um, And I wish you all the best. Let me know if we can help you with anything in the future as well.
0: Wow, thank you so much.
1: It's a pleasure. Take care. You too. Bye.
0: Bye.